Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a real cool guest on the other side of our Zoom who is using a blue microphone, Snowball. And I think we were talking about snowballs and balls and dicks and stuff like that. I don't know. What a way to start. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And it's, it's Saturday. Saturday. And I came into the office to record this podcast. Name your favorite song that has the word Saturday in it. Go. Uh, Sue, you go. <laughs> Saturday night. Dee, 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 na, 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 na. Wigfield. That's Wigfield. That was right? the first one I thought of, but now I'm going with Ludacris. Ludacris? <laughs> and I'm here like an old motherfucker. I'm like Saturday Night Fever. I'm with the, yeah. I'm with the Bee Gees over here. Unbelievable. As usual, as usual, Mark. Right before he hit record, Mark decided to like make a dick joke. And I don't even know where to go I now. Like, I don't know I how to start this. I didn't I'm, just, make I'm all joke. thrown off. The dick joke made itself. Okay. <laughs> as dick jokes often do. And for anyone that has a problem with dick jokes, listen, Danny Tanner was the king of the dirtiness, okay? So he did a whole bit with a whole song about a dog that licks his balls. If you didn't know that, go watch some stuff. And and the next time someone wants to yell at me about using the F word, go think about you had your kids watching Full House. And meanwhile, that guy had the dirtiest comedy ever. (laughs) So think about that. I didn't even notice till right now that I'm drinking out of a mug with a cactus dick on it. That sounds like it would hurt. Why would you rib for her pleasure? No, absolutely not. All right. Well, let's actually stop talking feel, about male that, genitalia, please. Is that what please? it would feel like if you had like a stubbly shaft? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, imagine that. All right. Don't worry. By now, everyone who hates us has tuned out. Moving on. We've got Sue back on our podcast. She's been on a couple of times and is a podcast host herself and does billions of things. But the reason we're talking to her today is because of the billions of things she does, uh, massage therapy is no longer going to be one of them or at least as a registered massage therapist so we wanted to have a chat about shifting exiting the profession yeah, we know a lot of people that are that have either gone inactive or have said fuck it i'm out and that started around covid stuff and then that went to things like mandates and it's like i don't support any of this shit i'm out the door and then it went to the CMTO fees, and like, mm. and so we wanted to have someone on the podcast who's 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 really just looking like they're 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 heading for the the red sign over the door. In all because that's what it looks like. In all fairness, Sue's head has been in this space since we met her, well before COVID and mandates. She was in mm. and out, and you know, trying to find where her place was in terms of healing and body work. And I don't think she'll ever be out of like this realm, just no longer regulated healthcare. And I applaud you for that, my friend. You've built a career out of just what you like doing. And so I want to talk about that. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. And there's a lot that I can share. And thank you for having me again and asking me to um, share a conversation on your podcast, which started a lot of things for me a few years ago. And so um, I consider you both the OGs of my podcasting life. So just as you were saying, the um, like putting the red sign on the door, I'm, I'm, t- I'm toggling back and forth between what I'm going to do next year, if I'm going to stay inactive or if I'm going to reactivate. Um, as soon as that email came out, I messaged Mark and I was like, what the 
how do I resign? You know, like I was immediate gut reaction. Can we can we pause which email? Because there's been a lot of things happening. So people understand which email are we referencing right now? The fees, the fees increase. So for anyone that doesn't know, for anyone that's not in Ontario, as being members of the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, we have a, a annual fee to pay or annual registration fee. And the annual registration fee has gone up over the past, you know, six or seven years, which is normal that it goes up. But... Yeah. But of all the regulated healthcare professions in Ontario, and I think there's like 26 or 27 of them, we're one of the higher paying for our membership. And it's insane. It's crazy. And the college, and we did a podcast on this with um, with the kids from uh, the Massage Therapy Podcast, Heather and Nicole. And we were kind of going through some of the college documents about their rationale as to why the fees have increased so much. Which I said is probably a bigger reason why people are pissed. It's not the hundred bucks. It's like the reasons we're being fed. But any which way. So so that's what's happening. Our fees just went up by, again another hundred bucks. Now they're cruising what, they're almost nine hundred dollars our annual fees or yep. something like that. And that's that's not including the liability insurance, the professional liability insurance that you would have to hold in order to have your valid registration. So for us to be able to practice you know, we're, we're paying up to a, a grand a year. Basically. And for those who are inactive, like Sue and Mark and soon oh. to be Amanda, it went up much more than a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's insane. But Look anyway. at Sue's eyeballs right now. They got big. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second, but it doubled, right, Mark? Yes, from, something like that. Yeah, yeah. From last year. So sorry, sorry for the interruption. I just want to clear it up. So the email, you got the email. So the fee increase, which obviously for us inactive went, was doubled. And I, before all this pandemic stuff happened, went inactive for the first time in 2019, remember, before mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. world shut down and all of that stuff. And it was big and scary. And I think it was only $150 then to go inactive. And now it's almost, what, going to be 500 Yeah, it's for, it's for something. I don't remember the exact cost, but it's big. Yeah, it's big. To not work. To not work, exactly. Like, it's approach. It's approaching what it was when, when I first became registered to have an active membership. Yeah. Like, my, I think the active membership, when I when I first got my active membership, it was like maybe 450 400 500 Really, eh? I don't remember. I mean, maybe I'm aging myself here, but... Um, no, we were, we were... How long have you been a therapist for? How long have you... 2008. So... Okay, you know this might have been your your initial registration because if you kind of joined halfway through the year, then you would have had to pay a certain fee versus the full amount. But That's yes, what... it was definitely less than yeah, 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 four forty eight fifty. I just wanted to double check. It's now so it's essentially four hundred and fifty dollars now to not work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, work. and to just hold it temporarily until you decide. So I'm going back and forth. I might activate it next year just to at least make five ten grand on that side of the business because I do miss my hands-on work. I do miss that co- like client time. I'm not going to lie. Although my nails look stunning. I don't know if you can see Absolutely. this. Uh, I've never actually had long nails before. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best. I know exactly what she's doing every time I have, because I'm the same. In 12 years, I've had little boy hands, right? Oh, like stuff. that's all I've had for 12 years. So if I do, in fact, go inactive next year, I'm growing my fucking nails out and I am tapping on everything. Tapping it, tapping yeah. it. And it's it's interesting to like even type on the computer. It's like, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think because I had um, taken that year off in 2019, I was like prepared for this time. So this time it wasn't really like big and scary. And I know you, you might feel that way, Amanda, like going inactive for the first time can be a little bit scary. And um, anyways, it's not. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> just to say that because we are able to um, create income streams um, in many different ways now. And we're so fortunate to have the technology available to us. And uh, that's basically what I did. Um, not with a plan in any way, it just sort of evolved. And uh, now I consider myself a podcasting editing ninja. Hmm. I literally call myself the edit ninja. And um, now writing and editing and I'm learning how to typeset right now for books. Wow doing all these things. So I've heard a lot of I mean, I know, Sue, you said it was the the last email that kind of gave you the kick to decide like, what am I going to do? I know you you had even contemplated retiring completely with all of this going on, right? Initially, I was like, how do I resign? When you do really love body work, that is, that is a big scary thing. Because what if you do want to come back to it? But as you've just mentioned, and we're going to get into it, you've managed to find other income streams that still fall within this realm. And you're still involved. I mean, we're still talking to you. You're still part of the profession, but in a, a very different kind of way. Um, but I've heard a lot of talk about, you know, people who have gone inactive or who are just tired of it. And it started to come and I don't want to go too far off topic, but I'll just say because I had this thought this morning, it started to come back to being regulated, right? And just having like a foot down on you all the time. On one hand, regulation is good for the protection of the public. And there are definite benefits to being regulated healthcare. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of things where you feel like, am I allowed to do this? And it kind of puts you in this little box of what you can actually do with your career. And for a lot of people who got into this kind of thing to help people and look at you know, healing as more of a holistic thing. This whole regulated healthcare makes you feel like, but this is as far as I'm allowed to move. And that really, that really stresses a lot of people out. And I think that's a, a big reason because you really felt that during COVID. Just as an example, you know, when we're being told, you cannot talk about vaccinations. I, what, by the way, I 100% agree with that. We should not be. That's what's never been within our scope of practice to talk about stuff like that. But then, you know, in the next line of the same email, it's like, encourage your patients to get vaccinated. I'm like, well, wait a second. The inconsistencies and just this feeling of like, this is how you have to behave. I understand people's frustrations with the regulation and being felt like they're being stomped on like this is what you have to do and so then on top of that you're getting stomped on and then they're saying oh by the way give us more money yeah and it was changing so quickly in the last two years all of the rules and um yeah and just it's exhausting <laughs> it's exhausting it, the whole regulation thing is really strange to me I feel like people flip-flop on that. 100%. And then I feel like there's people that are very hardcore on it on either side. In other words, everyone's all over the map. But it's interesting to see people that change as they go through. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I know dudes that like, they're, they're hardcore about it. Like, regulation is the best way to be. It legitimizes us as a profession in terms of healthcare, blah, 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 protection of the public, yada, yada, yada. And then you have people way on the other end. But to see someone cross over is actually the coolest thing. I I think that when it comes in, in to any the, direction the discussion of regulation, it's yeah. you're right. There's people who feel really hardcore about it. There's people who don't. And then there's sometimes people who cross over. My only issue is with the ones who like to be regulated when it's convenient and don't, and don't like well, it when it's not convenient. That's what I kind of was talking about the, the last time we had someone on. I can't remember who the fuck we were talking to. But that's what I was kind of getting at when she was saying like, okay, I'm done with regulation. I really want to move into this different part of, of body work and healing and all this kind of shit. But I was think I was trying to hit home to her like, 
but you only were able to get to this mindset, this thought, this evolution of yourself because you walked through a regulated profession. So you can't shit on it now because it served you at that time and then now and now moving into something else. You should you should still praise it a little bit because it brought you to where you were. You wouldn't be able to make up your mind and do what you're doing right now if you didn't have the whole regulation thing to stand on for the last 10 years that you were a therapist or however long. I'm going to let Sue weigh in on this, but is it shitting on it or is it just realizing once, because sometimes you don't realize what something is all about until you actually experience it. Is it shitting on it or just now I've realized this is absolutely not for me? I think it's a bit of both. And I think when we are students in college and everything is new and we're learning all of it, we don't really know what we're stepping into until we're actually in practice. And then I think it's based on where you're working. I think it's based on the type of like setting, clinic, spa, those types of things Mm -hmm. um, all contribute to how you perceive the regulatory body and how that is, how we are governed by it. Um, But I don't feel like I don't feel like I have a strong stance on one way or the other, to be honest. I just don't give a shit anymore. Like I've created what I wanted to create and I learned what I wanted to learn. And I've, um, yeah, I just, I've always been sort of like a rule breaker (laughs) or like a defiant human being. And so um, I've, I've never really been about the system, to be honest. And um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those people who like cross the line one way or the other. And um, I just kind of like to stay neutral and just like under the radar, if that makes any sense. I think that makes you not defiant necessarily. I think that makes you a thinker. And the last two years, a big problem is that we're being encouraged not to think about anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, these are the rules. This is the way things are. This is what we have to, how we have to behave, how we have to act. And those people who are a little more critical in their thought are like, well, maybe this is not where I need to be. Maybe this is not the space I need to be in because it it doesn't feel right for me, right? Yeah, and I think it comes down to the mindset as well. I had to step away because I would have gone insane. Like my brain, you know, every single human coming into that clinic room would have had a different conversation, a different perspective on the whole situation. And I would have lost my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I just did what I know for myself was best for my sanity and was just like, okay, I'm stepping away and, and I'm okay with that. Um, Am I sad? Yes. I think things have kind of eased up a bit in terms of like, everyone being so scared and terrified, but there's also other um, like quantum cellular things that went on that like, we're not allowed to talk about. And um, so feeling that in my own body was a huge contributing factor to me stepping away for sure. And I'm, I'm actually like scared to go back um, with respect to that, but we don't have to get into that conversation. We could say that for another podcast. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to give like a a brief history because so to sort of understand like Sue's path for yeah okay. your entire path because so, for those people who are struggling with this idea of is this regulated healthcare profession right for me or is there another path for me I want to hear a, a 
a history cool. of yours. And so before we do that, because there was a question that I wanted to ask you that leads right into this, where you said that the stuff that you're doing now, you kind of jumped into it, you didn't have a plan. And as soon as you said that, I wanted to, because the stuff you're doing is really, is, is, is really on the creative side. And I'm curious about people that have this creative side and the need to express it. Do you think having that and being that makes it easier to just jump into something without a plan? Um, I think every day is scary and hard in entrepreneurship, and I'm sure you can understand that. Um, I think there was many steps of my journey through my massage practice where I had hired coaches. I had been traveling with my massage table in the States, in my massage table to Costa Rica for crying out loud. Um, and, and doing those spontaneous things that I was just led to by, by instinct. Um, so when I say I didn't have a plan, I just sort of followed my gut. And, um, if I didn't experience that before, you know, the last three to four years, um, so about six years, six, seven years, I've been in like personal development, all of these other spaces. Um, I wouldn't be as confident to start something without a plan. Now I'm at the point because I've had practice. It's just like, Oh, I have an idea. Okay. Let's try it. If I fall on my face, great. I'll pick myself up moving on to the next one. So, um, I think just like anything else, it takes practice, um, and courage. And it's like a muscle you have to build. Cause I feel like creative people don't care about plans. I feel like creative people don't give a shit. There's like, this is something I got to do and I'm just going to do it. And I'm not doing it so something glorious can happen. I'm just doing it because I feel I have to do this and this is just me. So it's like there are no plans. It's just There's like- There's an excitement you know and I mean? fulfillment when you're doing something that like really is for that creative side. It's like this, th th I know Mark's not as- uh, as hippy dippy as me when it comes to this, but like I get this like sort of like buzzing no, like in my shit, soul but... when like I'm doing something that's like, this is just something I enjoy doing. If I'm having conversations with people that I'm like, yes, you understand me, we're on the same level, like all of those things. So with creative people, it's really hard to make a plan because it's not like you can plan for creativity to hit you. Like you always say to me, you can't just decide on Tuesday, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write this thing I mean. or make so, this thing. You so can't when, do that. But when you take on a whole career path, that is based on fucking creativity. That's why every day is scary. Put it this way. Everything we've been doing for the past many, 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 many years now is we make shit up and people buy it. Like, that's what it is. We make shit up. And, and we don't make shit up. Like, I'm not pulling things out of the sky. The stuff that we do is real. But nonetheless, we created it out of nothing. Yeah. And, and, and we found an audience that likes it and the audience grows and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't do that with a plan. Like, I didn't have a plan. I was just like, this is some creative shit and this is kind of cool. Plan. And this just is something I got to do. And I'm going to quit my jobs to and just do this. It's like I had zero, zero like, plan. And as Sue said, we have fallen on our ass. We've fallen on our asses many times. But we also, like, you also expect that. Like you said, entrepreneurship in just by nature, there's some times where things are going to go horribly fucking wrong. And that's where like you either are built okay. for this type of lifestyle or you're not either. It's like, okay, something went horribly fucking wrong. Let's, you know, just start doing things to fix this or, you know, sit in a corner and cry. When you've fallen on your ass, have you fallen on your ass because you fucked up or have you fallen on your ass because 
there's been massive shift around you and even though this can classify as fucking up but there's been massive shift around you and you're like ooh I did not really account for that or I don't really have a contingency plan that involves this although that can be considered a fuck up versus like you just made horrible decisions and you just went the wrong way with things and in retrospect you're like that was really dumb if I did this differently then things would have looked really different like when both you guys say you fell on your ass, I'm wondering what does fall on your ass look like? I say fall on my face, not on my ass. I pull money out of my ass. <laughs> um, two things popped up when you just in this conversation. Number one, if the idea, so talking about being creative, if the idea keeps tapping me and I keep like waking up at three in the morning with the same idea, then I know I have to pursue it in some way. So that is where I will get my initiative to go and create this program or this space or whatever. Um, that's like the idea of everybody holds story it came to me because it just like, kept coming through the, those words. Um, when I have fallen on my face, typically, and one instance is, is, Someone hired me to coach them, whether that's virtual um, virtual work um, that we would tap into our own fashion. I would guide them and everything like that. And um, they were the wrong fit. Like clients, I, now I'm very selective with my clients because I know the, the clients who are meant to work with me. Now I'm at this point where if it's not a fit, like I don't just take the money because I need the money. Um, so there's been a few of those instances where I've had to like give someone a refund because I just didn't want to work with them anymore. In being selective, is um, that is that too, it's so weird because sometimes when I think I'm being selective about something, I, I can't, I can't fully get my motive all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing it for selfish reasons. Sometimes I'm doing it because I'm ensuring my own success here and I'm making sure that I'm going into something that is comfortable, that is familiar, that is stress-free. And I feel really weird doing that sometimes because sometimes that's actually the reason why I get really selective. And mm -hmm. then part of that thought is if I, if I was not so selective, then maybe I'd run into something that's really fucking challenging. And it would take me, it would knock me a little bit and it would, it would make me work a little harder. That feeling right? that you get though, like you always say you don't get instincts or gut feelings, but that, that feeling that told you no, sometimes that's, that's all you need. But, but, but I'm saying like these, these are reasons, these are reasons why I choose to be selective. And then, and then I have a larger reason for being selective in that the person that I'm working with, well, I want them to get 100% the most out of this experience. And mm -hmm. therefore, if I'm being selective, I'm, I can guarantee that they're going to get that. It's such, it's a weird, anyway, it's so a weird it's, go. It's not really selfish, but also I don't consider doing something to ensure your own success. I don't necessarily classify that as selfish well maybe not to ensure my own success but but the but i know the ease of it versus the challenge that i would have with something that's a little less familiar but anyway sorry mm -hmm. i just uh, go ahead though i cut you off on that you're being more selective with the people you work with no yeah, based I mean, on based on i think that interaction Mark Mark, I think you and I have that in common where we have these like the bar is high for us same with you amanda it's like we have these goals and we want to, or we have these businesses and we want to give the best possible experience we want, right? Like we want to go above and beyond, like we're like overachievers. And um, some people, some clients, they just, 
they just don't see that or they don't appreciate that or they don't do the work or there's just so many variables. Would you even dare say that they don't deserve it? That they don't deserve you, that they don't deserve your time, that they don't deserve your skills. They're not grateful for it. They don't appreciate it. They don't deserve it. Therefore, they can't have it. Yeah, I've been a little selective like that. Yeah. Does anybody deserve your time? I mean, there's it's <laughs> you decide how you want to give out your time. And if if you are willing to work with somebody and when Mark does work with people, that's it. And I'm sure, Sue, you're the exact same based on what you just said. When he does choose to work with somebody he goes well above and beyond. It's like, you know, for example, let's go to his private tutoring. They pay X amount of dollars to get him for X amount of days. He's throwing people extra days, extra times. He's doing follow-up calls, emails. He's creating templates for them. And e- None of this is included in the X amount of dollars they paid up front. But when he's decided, I'm giving my time to you, he's focused on it. So that's why when you say things like, oh, you know, some sometimes I'm selective because I'm ensuring my own success, if you're getting a gut feeling when you do a consultation with somebody over Zoom that like this is not going to work out well for either of us, that's not selfish. You're letting someone go who isn't going to get the full experience no, from totally you because it. you don't want to. I understand that 100%. These are just other parts that – these are just thoughts that happen in, as part of the mix. Yes, I know. and But that's the hard part of it too. That's Again, when you are an entrepreneur, part of the challenge is like all the decisions are on you. Nobody's telling you what to do. And so there's the part of you that might be in the back of your head saying – take this client, there's money, there's money on the table, you're throwing it away. But then there's the other part of you saying, is this money worth the stress it's going to bring? It brings your mood down, which we all know if we're going back to just like energy in general, bringing your mood down, then you're missing out on potentially other better opportunities. And you don't need it. Like a few hundred dollars from somebody who's going to destroy weeks of your life, not worth it. Not worth it. I love that you brought that up because um, the access of like messages on weekends and off hours and stuff like that, like there's a lot of boundaries that need to be in place um, for certain people because like unless <laughs> unless I'm a millionaire and you're paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars, like I'm not available 24-7 and there's some expectations of that with people. Um, and I'm sure Mark experiences that with his one-on-one tutoring as well. Mm. Falling, I guess, not on your ass, but flat on, my face. flat on your face. Falling on my your face. Your fault or circumstances and your inability to, not inability, but your lack of preparation to deal with the circumstances. I don't know. I believe, Which one? I believe anytime I've fallen on my face at some point or another, it was my fault. I believe that somewhere I made a choice that either maybe I didn't listen to my gut, even if there was external factors, everything you do is a choice. So I've at some point made a choice that led me down a path that I'm like, well, fuck. That, that exploded. And that's why, and Mark will vouch for this for sure. That's why like, I don't dwell when I fall on my face. Like I'll get really upset. I might even fucking throw things. My kids have seen me throw things across a room. I might get really angry and you just need to let it out. Then I'm like, whew, all right, let's reset. Now, where do we go? Because at some point it was my fault. Like there is nobody to blame because if you if you start doing that, if you start blaming, like I know I joke about, you know, when the CMTO changed the the CEUs and Mark and I were like, well, motherfucker, like that's our entire career is teaching people continuing education. And now RMTs don't need numbers. Yeah. For a few days, it was 
fuck, 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 fuck. Mm-hmm. And then it was, what are we going to do? And my creative partner in crime with no plan said, let's start a podcast. And I was like, what the fuck's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but somewhere... Yep. We in that moment, we made the right choice. That's why we didn't fall on our face. Was that time really, really difficult? Yes, but I don't consider it really falling on our face because we kept going. But like, you know, we can talk about this now because it's years later and the wounds have slightly healed. Like, fuck, we refunded a lot of money. And there was a period of time where I was like, okay, that's actually, that's how I started massaging again. I was actually off with our youngest child and I was like, I better start building a practice just so we have income coming in. Because what if nobody buys courses for the next six months? Yeah. And it was kind of cool. I got back into having a part-time practice and meeting people and felt what it really felt like to build a practice from scratch because I hadn't been doing it for over a year. I was in a new place in a building that looks like nothing. Like nobody was going to know I was here. And I had to work. And it was, it was interesting. And you got back up. So yes, you stumbled, you fell, but you got back up and you found a way. And now look at you guys. You're like, the empire is built. All right. So tell us about the empire you're building. Amanda, Amanda wanted you to take us down that path. And then yeah. I, I just jumped in about, you know, if the creativity and the plan thing. Well, but I, you were want, about I to wanted take us to down start back to 2019. So we went out to London and we sat in, you know, the great room in that's, Sue's that's house. Great room. And room. <laughs> we podcasted about going inactive because that was the first time she had done so. And I don't remember now because it feels like 20 years ago, even though it was only a few years back, but it doesn't seem so long ago. It was a long time ago. 2019 was not Mm -hmm. that long ago. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we went to Sue's place and we talked about her decision to go inactive. But I want to go back there and where your head was at there and why you decided to come back active, why you went, you know what I mean? Like just sort of giving people a history of your whole journey. Because there are people right now who are afraid, as you said at the beginning, Sue, who are thinking, maybe I want to go inactive. Maybe I want to explore something else. But it does seem scary, if, especially if you've been doing this for as long as any of us have. Yeah, so um, I'll take you way back. You want to go way back? Let's go um, way back. <laughs> 2018 was when we bought this house and our life was a disaster. Like, this house was a filthy mess and um, I just couldn't do all of the jobs. I had been an RMT for, I think, 11 years or 12 years at that point, whatever, math. Um, our daughter had just been diagnosed with absence seizures and we were renovating this entire house top to bottom, scraping all the wallpaper off like two floors and um so it was coming to the end of the year and when we had to decide whatever October 31st, when we had to pay for the next year of our, of our license. And I was just like, I have to go inactive at least for a little bit. Right. Um, I can't be a contractor, a mother and an RMT. Like I just, so that was it. more of a, a personal decision. Like that was nothing to do with anything other than like, I have so much going on in my personal life that needs my attention right now. Yeah. Like I, I was losing, like, I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was not going to be a good therapist, right? Like I, I was a hot mess, (laughs) (laughs) the hottest mess I've ever been, (laughs) which I think in hindsight prepared me for this whole like lockdown time (laughs) that I was like, man, we made it through that catastrophe. (laughs) 
this is nothing walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then, yeah, I was really scared because I was like, who am I without being an RMT? Like, what am, what am I? Just a wall, a wallpaper scraper and a mother. Okay. Um, so as I was scraping all the walls, I was listening to podcasts and it kept coming through. There's that idea. It was like, I need to start a podcast and teach people about fascia because nobody knows what fascia is and I'm a broken record. <laughs> so I found you guys and a few other podcasters. And um, I remember talking to Mark. I was like afraid to start a podcast because I was like, what do I have to like ask permission by the CMTO? Like I was so scared. I had like no idea. There's that foot again, stepping on you. And Mark was just like, no, fuck it. Just do it. And I was like, okay. Sounds exactly <laughs> like what he would say. <laughs> I think that's exactly what he wrote. And uh, so I started the Love Yourselves podcast, which is hilarious. I haven't posted an episode in over a year and I still get these emails that are like, oh, you've, you're climbing the charts in Lithuania. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Who's listening to me in Lithuania? That's hilarious. Um, so I just learned everything. Um, asking questions. I picked Mark's brain a lot, I think, at the beginning, along with um, a few other podcasters that I know with platforms and editing software and all the things. Um, even the purchase of my blue snowball mic. <laughs> using three uh, three years later and uh, and I just I just started learning because like the walls were done so this was like June of 2019 the walls were done um I you know kind of got used to not touching bodies kind of kind of liked uh just creating and like I actually had space to do it um, but then, you know, come the end of the year, I was like, okay, well I was, cause I wasn't making money obviously with podcasting to start. You guys know that. And, uh, yeah. So I reinstated my license for, um, 2020 and then the world shut down a month and a half or two months after that. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, whatever. Okay. I was prepared anyways. So, so what did 2020 bring for you? Like I know at the beginning of the pandemic, you and your daughter were, um, were great for us because I didn't know what the hell I was going to do being locked in my, you know, Toronto condo with two little kids. And you guys had the, uh, half an hour stretch sessions every day, you and your daughter, and we would do them with you. Yeah. I know That was so awesome and so fun. And, um, I think I just felt like, how can I show up right now and, and help others in, in a way that will help others, right? Like <laughs> I'm locked in here too. <laughs> so, um, we got, yeah, we had fun creating those videos and going live and, um, yeah, but again, that wasn't really bringing in any money. So mm -hmm. I definitely had to get, get curious as to what I wanted to do and, um, I think that's when I started. You guys hosted um you guys hosted a two-day class, remember? And I was like a guest on it and I did uh fascial meditations on your on your thing. During lockdowns, we did a couple of freebies. Yeah, that was uh that was the 12 hour that one. That was a one hour. day. We went straight from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and had a whole bunch of people just come on and share their their expertise with anybody who was interested. And that was really like what you were doing with your daughter with the stretching. That was us just trying to keep people's morale up, right? Because it was like, what the, what See the, the whiteboard back there? Yeah. 
That's still the instructions from when I did that class with you guys, because <laughs> I've never used the whiteboard again. Um, yeah, I started um, teaching people how to connect their own hands to their own fascia. And that's what came out of, out of 2020. And I still do that. We have um, monthly full moon meditations where we connect and ground and it's crazy the amount of um, calmness, um, decrease in nervous system, like it's just insane. Um, and actually that skill has evolved now into tapping into creativity. Like when we can get still and we can connect to our bodies, that's when we can really start to listen to any of the ideas that are coming through. I would never even have had that idea if I hadn't started doing that eight years ago after my C-section. And then now, so that, yeah, I started working one-on-one as like a like testing on my clients. I was like, Hey, can I like put you through some things? And then it just evolved into like group practices, which I still have the space. I started that space at the beginning of 2021. It's called the global grounding community. And, um, we gather once a week and we meditate and support each other. And that's just another like side business that I have. It's like a membership, uh, portal site. And, um, I keep the recordings available um, in a library, so we've got tons of them now. Um, so that's just like one side of things. And then we started the podcast, and then we started the books, and then now I've been hired to edit all the podcasts, and that's my favorite job. That's what I've decided. Out of that whole <laughs> string of events, I love laying in bed after dinner and editing podcasts. It's my jam, and um, it's helped me to not watch a lot of mindless TV. So that's cool. That was a very, very quick run through of everything you do. But that's such a rant. But I love that. Like some, as you said, there was no plan. It was like, okay, you realized, oh, wait a second. Now that I can't have my hands on people, I can use a virtual platform and teach people how to connect to their own fascia because that was a skill you already had and you were already using yourself on yourself and on your clients. And from there that it was like, okay, cool. This virtual thing is cool. And we kind of went into, oh, and then we started the podcast. You kind of skipped over the whole idea when you met like your partner in crime, Marsha, and you guys just realized we could do great fucking things together. Yeah, but we don't have all day here. So I gave you the (laughs) point form. Uh, Oh, but that is how I actually discovered or that everybody holds a story came through with my hands in Marsha's abdominal fascia. When I was driving to Waterloo um, in 2021, because I had my license again, right? So I'm going to fill people in. <laughs> if you've listened to us for long enough, we had Marsha yeah. on. Yeah. I don't even remember which year we had Marsha on, but Marsha is also an author and she's a kinesiologist and Sue kind of got us in touch because Marsha had like a really cool story. She has a book called uh, It's Own Your Choices, Own Your Life, something like, yes, that's the correct title. Sorry, Marsha. It's literally sitting on my nightstand. You think I would remember the title? I stared at it every day. <laughs> she has like six books. And she has so first- many books, but that was the one we talked about. So Sue and Marsha... Um, just started collaborating and then they started their own podcast, which is the everybody holds a story podcast. So some of you may have heard it and they've also now um, done 
are you on your second book collab with her or you just did the first and the second one's coming? Like, I feel like I saw an announcement. There's another one, right? Oh, look at her face. She's like, come on, Amanda. Writing and creating books is really fucking hard. And there's so many pieces and there's so many people who don't do their job properly. Right now, I am still in typeset for the first volume and it's gone back and forth seven times. That to the point where I was like, release the document. I'm going to learn how to type that because this is ridiculous. And there's so much money that gets spent. Anyways, this is total inside. Um, <laughs> yes, we are onboarding for volume two and the brain health edition. We decided after we started the podcast and knew we were going to write books that it was going to be a book series with different volumes of stories of um, body experiences to help um, provide resources and um, just stories for others who are like the readers to not feel alone in whatever they're going through. What, so we have breast cancer, we have breast cancer story. We have, um, we have an ER nurse, a 30 year long ER nurse. Her chapter is hilarious because she like puts us right into the ER. <laughs> uh, we have like living donation, um, finding your, Find, yeah, finding your heritage and, and roots and stuff like that. So anyways, um, the volumes are going to be just different topics, different stories, but it's to leave to the earth for the next generation of humans instead, because we could just go on Google and type in breast cancer and like so much stuff comes up. But um, when we can read the story or listen to the podcast of the story from, from someone um, and what she did and you know, there's so many, um, holistic, um, you know, remedies and, uh, and treatments that aren't mainstream. So, um, there's a lot of that in there. I have a glossary because the glossary was important to me. Um, cause I'm a super nerd and yeah, but books take a really long time. And so it's just been like, it's just been a lot. So um, there's a reason why books cost money to uh, to produce because it's a lot of time, a lot of time. They don't sound fun. <laughs> no. It's don't. actually, well, now I've learned because it got went through an editor, a technical editor, and it came back garbage. So I spent 60 hours right around the time my mom died, just sitting there going through sentence by sentence, word for word, and making sure that things were right because I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm, I would call myself a perfectionist, but I just have the bar high and like, there's no way I'm going to um, create something that's garbage and put it out there. Like, that's just not, it's just not me. So, um, so yeah, we're onboarding for volume two and brain health because my mom, obviously she um, died of brain cancer and with, uh, with her absence seizures and, oh, our dog died. He had seizures there's just a lot of brain stuff that's in my life mm. that I've learned that um, I want to share and leave with the earth. So that one's my my baby. Mm. Anyway, not to bring it down, no. not to bring the the room down when, here. When, when you, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it in a different way. Then bring when, me back up. When you set the bar high, are you doing that for you? Or is any part of that for other people to say, 
Look at the fucking shit that this girl does. So fucking good her work. Blah 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 blah. Is any part of it for the for the praise of the audience? Nope. Zero. No, it's for me. One hundred percent. That answer was gonna be one hundred percent for you. Like, like you don't enjoy someone that says, and I'll start it off as enjoy. You don't enjoy someone that says. Or enjoy that moment or whatever it is. I can't figure out the words I want to say here. But you don't enjoy that part when someone says that podcast episode you did. That was so fucking good. And you know it got that good because you set the bar high. So is that bar setting 100% for you? Or is it some of it coming from for, for the praise that's going to come with it? And praise not, might, might not be the word. And that might be the thing that's turning you off. But is no part of it for the, for the other person? I think it's different between podcasting and books. So okay. I'll just say that. So let's 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 talk whichever are any of these like this for you. For books, I'll just say for the book right now, yeah. when you receive it back from typeset and you've paid thousands of dollars and entire sentences are missing out of chapters, I set the bar high for those authors who have written very vulnerable stories and I want it to be as perfect as possible. Every single punctuation there, there should not, it should not come back from typeset with sentences missing. Right. Okay. Definitely not. As for a podcast. Yes. I mean, obviously again, it's, I want to edit it so that it um, reflects well on the guest, right. Whoever's there. It's like, I want to honor them. I want to honor those people as best I can. But I also mean from a performance standpoint, what you're doing is somewhat of a performance. It's not somewhat. It is a fucking performance. And like an actor or a musician or any other type of artist, there's always a part of it that is, this isn't just like because it satisfies my soul, and yes, it does, but another part of it is whatever psychological damage is in your head that you need the approval of other people and you're seeking that, and therefore you set that bar so high and that perfectionism thing there because you know if you do that, you're going to get that approval. I've never really thought about it. Can I jump in here being married to a perfectionist? <laughs> yeah. I'm far from please. I, Unless you're married to someone else that I, I know about. I considered myself a perfectionist going like growing up, going through school and you know, I, it's only when I became an adult that I realized I wasn't a perfectionist. Like when I say perfectionist, it was sort of like what Mark was saying that, you know, I if I was going to hand in an essay or a project, like those were the times where like I put work in. I was definitely the student that would like skip classes sometimes in university. I wouldn't study for an exam because, and I, I hate, when I say this, it sounds like a humble brag. It really isn't. But I just had a photographic memory. So I knew that I could walk in without putting in a lot of work and do well. But when it came to like assignments or essays or projects, like I actually made sure it was fucking perfect. I wasn't going to okay. give something in. And was it necessarily to get the praise no, I think it, it's more so that when you know you can do better, it doesn't feel good to produce something that you're like, that because you know you're going to get praise anyway. Like Mark and Sue, you guys could Listen, do something that is 60% of what you uh, know you could do. And most people would be like, that's fucking see, incredible. I'm not going to lie. A part, of, a, a part of what I do is for that acceptance from somebody else. But 
but, and this is the big but, it's to really show that you can do it the way you fucking want to and be the person you want to fucking be and still get the acceptance. That's why uh, that part of me is there that I do it for the acceptance. Is so they can say, someone can look back at, at, at even at what they're doing themselves and go, this motherfucker who looks like that, sounds like that, talks like that, and people still fucking dig his shit. And, and it's not even just people. It's people that are respectable. They dig his shit. That's why, that's a part of why I'm like, uh, what I do has to, I, I need it to, I need it to touch somebody. I need, I need to get that approval from somebody. Part of it. That, of course, the other part's me, but I'm, 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 I didn't, I thought more, I thought maybe you guys thought like that. I've never thought you thought like that. I just assumed because the way you are, even if it's something that's not going out into the world, just the way you are in general, like I watch you work on your motorcycle, for yeah, example, okay. and you'll put these handlebars on and you're like, oh, my bike is finally perfect. And two weeks later, you're taking them off. I'm like, what are you doing? They could be a little but bit I, better if I tweaked yes, just I, this. Th when, because when, I, when you know something could be better, that's always been your personality. Right. If something could be better, why okay, am I accepting so like, something that I know I could make better with a little bit of effort. No, no, I totally get that. I totally get that. I was just curious as to the reasons why you, you said it there. So, like for example, when we go do these conferences, these conferences, I mean, they they don't come back and it, it, it's not something that we need to do, right? No. But a big part of us doing conferences, at least for me doing conferences, to be like, look, look who fucking got invited to do this conference. This motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? This motherfucker, again, who looks like that, sounds like that, who people think are, what are the words people use to describe us? Me? Right? Uh, I don't know. I've heard you be called childish, irreverent, right. Um, unprofessional. Right. I think someone even <laughs> called me illiterate. Oh, you were line. called illiterate. Right? You've been called misogynist. Right. So <laughs> I'm happy when I get invited. In other words, when my work gets recognized by respectable people, that way it can be fuck off. So a part of it is that for me. Mm -hmm. well, way to not look childish. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hey, it's, it's, I'm not gonna, I'm, why lie about it? Part of it is that it's not a big percentage, but it's, it's part of the percentage. It's, it's, I mean, it's taking pride in your work. And I think no matter what, if you are a person who does take pride in what you do, even if you know, I can put this out and it would be quote, good enough. There's lots of people who go with good enough, yeah. but I think if you're the type of person who has the personality like you do, like Sue does, like I do to an extent. I mean, I'm I don't think I'm quite as hardcore as you, but if I'm going to if I'm going to produce something, I want to be able to look at it and be proud of it. I don't want it to be like, oh, I wouldn't want somebody of who's highly regarded to look at this and me have my name on it if it's not what I consider the best I could do. Is this a, is this a sickness? Is this a healthy thing? Is this healthy? Or is it not healthy? This sounds not healthy to me. Why? I'm just curious if you think it's healthy or not healthy. Think? I don't know. I'm, I'm just talking shit. I just think, um, first, with Mark, what Mark just said about, like, you know, getting invited to, like, something that's a big deal or, you know, these respectable, reputable people, like, choosing you or, you know, um, I feel that way as well. Like, now that I'm being hired by others to edit. It's like, I've edited some pretty big deal podcasts and like, I'm crying in bed and I'm like, so honored that I, that I get to do this because I learned the skill and I was the chosen one. Right. Um, I don't know if it's healthy, but I think that there's a lot of garbage out there 
and people are producing, are getting paid a lot more money to produce garbage than some people who are producing gold. Too many fucking participation medals. Like, I'm just going to say it. There are too many people that are getting praised for producing garbage. Like, during the pandemic, when everything had to go to virtual, and I'm watching an actual, like, national broadcast, and you guys are in your fucking living rooms with your iPhone earbuds, and it's crackling. I'm like, are you are you kidding me? My podcast sounds better than that, and I'm nobody <laughs> i'm done with the participation medals you put that perfectly <laughs> oh. so yes i think that both of you guys being perfect i don't think it's unhealthy i think that people should strive for quality i mean it's different if you're killing yourself and you, i mean i know mark definitely kills himself but he's also a robot so is he killing himself sue i know that you've always still strived for balance like i know you're golfing this afternoon good for you girl like you still you still do enjoy life i'm not saying mark doesn't enjoy life because he kind of enjoys the the roboticness of working all the time like he said to me the other day because i said something about oh my goodness you don't work tomorrow when do you ever get to say that and he's like is that a problem I'm like no because you love work like it would be different if you if you were getting up every day like fuck this I don't want to do you like going to work you like creating you like editing so cool that's fine go do it um I think unhealthy perfectionism is if like you're you know the university student pulling all nighters all the time not sleeping taking drugs to keep yourself awake that's unhealthy I think being proud of your work and striving to make things better is the reason that Sue you're editing very important people's podcasts in bed because you didn't produce crap. You didn't put your earbuds in and say, well, this works. Yeah. There's lots of people podcasting that have shit audio and people <laughs> still listen to them. That's a really good point, Amanda. Like, you know, same with like Mark and I have that in common. It's like, we love our work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard for us to like peel away because we have to like finish this episode or like, oh, this clip isn't perfect or like the way we want it or, um, but you say like, um, I'm going to golf and I'm taking time. Like my golfing is, this is what I've learned about golfing. Um, because I just started three years ago and it's literally in my backyard and don't worry, don't worry listeners. I'm not this like country club snob um we bought a dump of a house on the property <laughs> that just happens to be sitting behind in front of a but it's a so beautiful now you guys made it beautiful <laughs> but listen i have uh i didn't think i would golf at all when we moved here i didn't golf um golfing is hard to be to get good at um but i started liking the four-hour walk through nature that is my grounding time. That is my exercise. And there is something so satisfying about releasing your aggression by smacking a little golf ball mm -hmm. with a bunch of sticks through the forest. Okay. Like it is therapy beyond any sort of talk therapy that you could ever have. And I get to do it with my 10 year old daughter who is now kicking my ass at the sport and is encouraged to keep kicking my ass. I love it. And it's just our bonding time, you know, like her seizures are, have, we're 
two years seizure free. Like, so we don't have to worry about that. It just feels very like that is our escape. Um, and yeah, we do it three, four times a week. We're going to be leaving shortly. Um, because we can, and why not? You know, I learned a lot this year about, about life and, uh, and like time is limited. So you just got to go for it. And that's all like, that comes down to business and, and what, what you're here to do. What else did you learn about life? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking this because <laughs> I'm asking this because we, at the beginning we talked, we were dropping, we, we just made remarks around Bob Saget because we were watching that Bob Saget uh, comedy store. We had to turn it off. Actually, it was a little because too it, sad because it, it got really sad at some point, but every Every person that came on there that was, you know, riffing with the jokes and everything else, but reminiscing about Mr. Bob Saget, it was the one takeaway from every freaking comedian was time and not even just time. But if I'm going to say something to somebody and I want to express how I feel about them, I'm going to do it now. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. So if I if I love you now, you're going to know it now. That type of thing. So what else did what else did you learn about life? That. <laughs> what you just said. Um, and, you know, it's more about appreciating those moments um, because no matter how, like we inevitably all die, we all have that in common. So um, whether, you know, it's sudden or it's progressive, um, you just don't know. And I actually feel lucky that my mom's um, body slowly uh, failed or like started failing because we had more time to say, I love you. We had more time to um, just sit there and eat mini eggs together, <laughs> like <laughs> drink a beer, you know? And, uh, it was, you know, we, we knew the writing was on the wall and, um, and so I, I don't know, I just feel grateful for that. And, uh, it really, it really, um, especially where I'm at right now and the frustrations, why I golf and smack that ball around is, um, is, is understanding, um, how great, of a childhood I had, how amazing parents that I had. And it's like helped me to be a better parent myself. And while, you know, she's still, as you guys know, they're so, uh, they're so like moldable and pliable in terms of their thoughts and of feelings and emotions. Right. Amanda, <laughs> we had an emotional um, little morning. Yes. <laughs> so uh, to, you know, handle those situations a bit differently. I think, I think I learned a lot about that. Um, and it stepped up my parenting game for sure. And again, I'm not, going to a clinic every day anymore. I get to be here. I get to, I get to have this time um, with her and I'm, I don't have more than one child, so, nor will I. So I'm going to enjoy it while I have it. So that's a, a very important point that actually brought me back when Mark first asked the question to both of us. Um, you know, when you, uh, the whole thing about uh, falling on your face. Mm -hmm. Was it your fault? I thought of something while you were speaking, Sue, and I, I forgot to say it when he asked, and it just came back to me again when you were speaking again about um, 
sort of my old way of thinking and looking at things. And I know a lot of people do this, and we've talked about this before, is this whole idea of like, you know, when you're you're in a situation and you've got a goal and you want to get somewhere, but it's like you can't even stop and enjoy what's happening right now. It's like, I'll be happy when this is finished. Things will be better when I have this. Everything will be a little bit better once I get to, you know, having this much money or this. And like, there's always this ladder to climb, right? And I feel like I used to have that mindset, but I didn't, I didn't recognize it. And when I say that, I mean, like, I would be the person that might have taken a client outside of my hours because it's like, oh, this extra hundred dollars could be helpful to me. But really, is it? You know, like there was I had this weird mindset around what I had to do right now. And I I didn't understand how to look at big picture. And it was, I think, a lot of wasted time. Like I was looking at money more as the the marker of success rather than like where my time and energy were going. And once that shifted, so for example, this is like the dumbest example, but it it really made me realize this the other day. I was out somewhere and I I was shopping and my bill came to like $300. This was like groceries and like stuff we needed anyway. And I was like, holy hell, a few years ago, like I would have been walking through the store and like, oh, I'm not going to buy this because, you know, like, yes, I understand you have to budget, but it's like I would have been putting things down that maybe we kind of need and like, oh, I'll get it next week. But like delaying pay because I was so like scared to let any money go. So I, I was holding on to this this feeling of lack, like there was always not enough of something rather than realizing like, I do have enough and I can continue to like, I'm going to make more money. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not getting this out. For, I'm not very eloquent right now. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like this whole idea of like, I have to hold on to everything I have. Like I was afraid to spend money on things that would have maybe been helpful for my family or my business or whatever. Because it's like, well, I, I have to hold on to this because I don't have enough. And it was like when that mindset shift happened, the money mindset, as Rebecca calls it, is like, like I suddenly realized I need to stop looking at what I don't have, realize what I do have and continue to set goals and move forward. And I just became so much happier. Like I don't feel bad about, you know, the I, last week I went on my kid's class trip. I didn't feel bad about not coming to work or making any money that day. I was like, yeah, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur today. I'm not going to work. I'm going to High Park on the class trip. And I did. And I got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I love everything you said. And it was eloquent. So it was very hard. not. And there's there's no editing in the world that can fix that. But <laughs> hopefully you guys understood what my lack of words were trying to say in that moment. <laughs> I think what I'm hearing, too, is that you're appreciating like the moments and like bringing yourself into the present as opposed to that lack yeah. or until then this will happen. Right. Like we, we find ourselves like not enjoying now. Yep. Because we're always doing. And um, I think it's a really good example for our children. So that's really good. I hope that this mindset sticks with you. When do you see yourself stopping with the podcast or do you not? Do you I think I, I, Oh, like with our own podcast. Yeah. Um, if Marsha had her way, it would go on forever. Um, I'm going to keep going with it. Um, How do you know when it's over? I don't know. 
She hasn't hit that yet. I mean, I hit it with the other show. How'd you, okay. How'd, how'd you I was just basically doing, like, we just are doing the same thing and just moved it to everybody else's story. It's like doing the same thing. So right, whatever. Right, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But no, last, so this past February, no, not this one, the one 2021 was when I like really dove into um, like online creating checkouts and like I learned Kajabi and all those things, right. To, Mm -hmm. to host my business. And, uh, the woman who helped coach me with that stuff, her name is Coraline Hazelwood. I don't know if you've seen her. She's just like this fiery redhead, just like brilliant in the tech. She's just like the Kajabi wizard. Anyways, I was telling her then that I wanted that I love editing podcasts. So I'm just thinking about going back to that time and she suggested that I start, um, an agency. And now I'm at the point. So at the time, a year and a half ago, I was like (laughs) a podcasting agency. Are you kidding? Like, who am I now? I am doing everything for our show. I've got three clients that I edit their show and I am building one's already released three podcasts from scratch. So I'm doing all of the things. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I have an agency. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, touche, Coraline. (laughs) You knew before I did, but okay. Um, So I think that might be next for me. Um, And I don't know what that looks like, but, you know, here we go back to where we started here. It's like, you never know what it's going to look like. You just have an idea and you you just run with it. (laughs) Just run with it. I guess that's the advice to wrap up yeah. the whole show is if you have an idea oh, no that's not my advice at all i just I, i'm not giving that advice to anybody <laughs> that's what you do with everything yeah Mark. but i'm not gonna give that advice to somebody <laughs> you crazy <laughs> i'm gonna plug my i'm gonna plug my uh latest um group space right now do that it, it is called create what you're meant to create okay it is a four-week intensive get to fucking work we get on zoom all of us what is your project let's go work on this get this look at this blah 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 take all the steps this is how we built the last three podcasts the two of them are coming out in july because some people work faster than others um we'd spend two hours on a monday night and we investigate we figure out what we need to learn there's youtube tutorials whatever like you need to learn libsyn okay let's go blah 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 um, because I was inspired by a bunch of people in my realm who weren't creating what they were meant to create. And they're just sitting on their asses, spinning their wheels with these ideas. And because of that frustration, I created. So my next enrollment is, is August. If anyone of your listeners are interested, I'll drop the link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Because, you know, I, I mean, I understand what Mark's saying. Not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur we already talked about like there's a lot of lows in in being this you can fall on your face or your ass depending if you're me or sue but there's also there's also recognizing if the reason you're not going forward with an idea that's actually fucking brilliant and it is what you're meant to create if it's if the reason is fear if it's i don't have the support i don't know how well 
Sue has figured that out. She's created a space for people who maybe just need a little kick in the behind and some motivation. And you never know what could come out of it. I think the last two years have created a lot of change for people. There's been a lot of shifts and a lot of people realizing that it doesn't have to be the way we've we've conditioned ourselves to think things have to be. 100%. And everything evolves always a balance. Well, speaking of balance, you have a date with your daughter. So we won't keep you any longer. Um, We're going to drop the link for your group space in the notes. As you said, is there anything else that you want to add or any other links or socials that you want to drop in before we wrap up? Um, Yeah, I mostly hang out on Instagram. I'm giving up on Facebook a little bit. I'm not really a fan. Um, I'm just so grateful that you guys had me on the show again. It's just always such an honor to be asked to be on your podcast. Um, Like I said at the start, you were huge inspirations for me and I wouldn't be where I am right now without you. Um, So, you know, just keep doing, keep doing your thing, keep building your empire because it's, uh, it's awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out. This is good. Yeah. And let's uh, sit around a fire soon. Okay. Right. Smoke drugs around a fire. He's got excited. I'll bring the wine. Yes. <laughs> you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Persh. Did you yawn before saying peace? Uh, just breathe. <laughs> I thought it was.